When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Crush to right field. J.K. tees off. A long home run, and it's four to nothing. Left center and deep to the bullpen. Reyes going back, still going back, and that ball's gone. Rosario with a two-run home run into the bullpen. And it's six to nothing. Welcome in to Mackie and Judd. Apple, Spotify, scorenorth.com. You can also find us between 5 and 6 o'clock on AM 1500, Score North on the radio. And we're going to open the show today. Usually we bring Doogie in mid-show. We're bringing him in to start the show today. Darren Doogie Wolfson from 5 Eyewitness News. You can find him as part of the uh, Scoop podcast, host of the Scoop podcast on Apple, Spotify, and scorenorth.com. And Doogie, looking at the standings today. Twins in a place they haven't been for quite some time. First place in the American League Central. It should be a fascinating and fun weekend. Their number one goal, even going back multiple weeks, I had a conversation with Derek Falvey, some on the record, on camera, some just on background. I got the sense from talking to Falvey, I get the sense from talking to others, Phil, that the number one goal all along has been to be at home next week. Whether that's as the four seed, the three seed, the two seed, it certainly looks like Tampa will be the one seed. But at this point, with enough separation between them and New York, I mean, it's not set in stone, but it looks like, you know, with a 95% you know probability that the Twins are going to be home next Tuesday, Wednesday, and if needed, Game 3 next Thursday. The question is, who will they play? To me, the best path would be find a way to be the three seed, right? Like, That's if you end up right with... Now. With Houston, or even the Angels, there still is a tiny, tiny chance that Mike Trout and the Angels can jump the Astros. But in this just crazy, in many ways, effed up 60-game sprint, this effed up year, right? Like, why are the Astros able to be the sixth seed just because they finished in second place in their division when the schedules have been wacky, right? Like, you're not crossing over and playing other other, you know, in terms of the East and, and Central, if, if you're the West, right? You're just playing National League West, American League West game. So I don't understand why the second place team in a division has to be the sixth seed. Like, it just, just should go by record, record, right? Yes. But, but that would be, to me, the best path, right? If you have the Houston Astros minus Justin Verlander, the Astros here next Tuesday, right? But other than that, I mean, I think you can have a healthy debate. Does it make more sense for them to play New York? Or Cleveland? Do you want to see Garrett Cole next Tuesday or Shane Bieber? Is there something to be said about, you know, this this so-called Yankees 
playoff curse, right? 13 consecutive playoff losses against the Yankees. To me, like Tanaka hasn't been the normal Tanaka this year. Then who starts game three for New York? Would they don't it be know J.A. Yet. Happ? They, they, they admittedly don't know. I don't mind that matchup. Call me nuts because I brought this up on social media last night and I had a number of people go back at me and say, anybody but New York. Ugh. No. But hey, I tell you what. Cowards. I, exactly. Bieber no, into, right. into Savelli, into Plesak, that you know to what? me is more daunting than what New York can throw at you. I get if if you are going to play games at home, I want the Astros one. I want Cleveland two. Bieber would be tough, but after that, you will hit those guys at home. And I want the the Yankees three because eventually you're probably going to play them, which I'm fine with. But and we, we talked about this. I think it was on uh, the show last week. What I like about a potential matchup in a five or seven game with the Yankees is getting deeper and deeper into their pitching, mm-hmm. which I think gets weaker and weaker. And Phil does too. So this is not a coward play. This is uh, what would I like most to win two games here, which I think that you can do, and then skedaddle yeah. to the bubble and get somebody in a more extended and, series. And Dukes, I agree with Judd. Now Judd has convinced me that so I want the Yankees in this postseason because I just want I just want I want these two teams to face each other every single year until the Twins finally break through. Like that's <laughs> where I'm at. Um, but it would be better for the Twins in a five-game series because in Game Four, Game Five, the Twins are throwing out guys like maybe Jake Odorizzi and Rich Hill. And the Yankees are literally just like bullpenning these games. Now, the, the, if the playoffs started right now today, the Twins would face the Astros at Target Field for three games. And this is the this is the trash can list Astros. You've got guys like Jose Altuve and Alex Bregman who were the face of this cheating scandal. And, uh, and they are finding out in 2020 how hard it is to hit Major League pitching when you don't have tips of what pitches are coming. Alex Bregman batting 246 with a 775 OPS, which is way down from last year. And Jose Altuve is batting 215 with a 596 OPS. He's been one of the worst everyday hitters in all of baseball. So bring them on without their cheating system, dude. Absolutely. The Verlander less Astros for a while. I think we thought Verlander could be back, but then we find out, what, in the last five to seven days that he needs to undergo Tommy John surgery. At this point, likely out for at least most, if not all of Next year, too, by the way. But, yeah, bring on Houston, right? I think Altuve, wasn't he on the injured list at one point? So maybe whatever that injury was, I don't know top of head what the injury was, but whatever that injury was, maybe it's still bugging him. So, yeah, I mean, in my mind, it's a blowout. Like, if you can find a way to be the three seed, but, I mean, that's going to be tough. Like, strategically, I don't know how exactly you do that. Like, I need I need to look at every scenario possible. What games would you want to win? I think you probably need to lose a game. This weekend to the Reds. Oh, by the way, the Reds have a ton to play for Yeah, this weekend. I mean, they're still playing for A, a playoff spot, B, playoff seating. Like, I would think in the National League, you want to do everything in your power to avoid being the eighth seed, right? Like, you don't want to play the L.A. Dodgers mm-hmm. next week. So, if you're the Reds, you have every reason to keep going here. You know, also, I mean, does Homer Bailey start on Sunday? Like, how important will Sunday be for the Reds if if the Reds need that game on Sunday? Homer Bailey will start again. It's on Hill three right days now. Rest. It, it's Hill right now. They, yeah, Hill they for put the Twins him down for Sunday, and it'll be Bailey for the Reds if they have to win. If they don't have to win, then the Reds will save Homer Bailey for for next week for Game One. You're so, oh no, Dukes, you're saying Trevor Bauer. 
Or excuse me, Trevor Bauer. Bauer. Trevor, okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Because they sorry. don't want Homer Bailey. Yeah, no, no. Excuse well, me. I, mean, yeah. I was mixing up. Give yeah, them Homer Bailey. Bailey. You're right. They'll give him. Excuse me, Trevor Bauer, who the Twins like, by the way. The Twins are, are, are going to call on him yes. this winter. Yes, thank you, Phil, for, for that <laughs> correction. Yes, Trevor Bauer. I kept thinking to myself, Homer Bailey? That, who is, was, is that the 2012 ALDS? Yeah, he was unbelievable. Is <laughs> he switching teams? Yeah, he, he, was, he was unbelievable last night. The Reds would bring back Bauer. On three days last on night. On three days rest, if they need that game on Sunday. Hey, Dukes, how, how is Chris? Uh, Cruz and do we know is he has he been out since Saturday's game against the Cubs? Is it a knee, which the Twins are saying, or a hamstring, which is what um, Cruz told the ESPN Sunday Night crew? Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, my understanding is it's it's a combination that that at this point he's just incredibly sore. But I'm also led to believe from somebody close to Cruz that if last night was a playoff game. He would have been in the lineup. Now, would he have been 100%? Will he be 100% next week? Probably not. But he'll keep undergoing treatment. You know, I don't think the Twins, if, if you know, they can help it, I don't think they put him out there three times this weekend. Maybe it's once or twice just to get him some at-bats to stay relatively fresh. But But he is going to, unless he has some sort of, you know, setback, Judd, over the next few days, I fully expect Nelson Cruz to be the DH in Game 1 next Tuesday at Target Field. All right, Dukes, you peeked your head in here. we got about 10, 11 minutes to, uh, to to flush out some of this here. So you peeked your head in before we turned the mics on. You said, I got a little Wolves team. You talk to all kinds of people around the NBA. So you just you just give us as much Wolves team as, you, uh, as you're comfortable giving us. All right? Well, I mean, in no particular order, Trey Jones, Apple Valley's Trey Jones interviewed with the Wolves on Monday. Former Gopher Daniel Oturu interviewed on Tuesday. Some other draft prospects. That have interviewed recently with the Wolves include Kira Lewis Jr., a really good guard from Alabama, forward Paul Reed from DePaul, Jalen Smith, a good forward from Maryland. That was a really fun matchup back in the winter at the barn. Smith against Oturu. Oturu had a really good game that night, but Smith looks like that he would be a player that should be in that mix if they end up staying at pick 17. I would say maybe the, the biggest headline from what I'm about to lay out would be what an agent told me the other day. So this agent represents a really good draft prospect. So I was I was texting some agents the other day just trying to figure out okay, you know, have the Wolves interviewed this player, texted some people with the Wolves trying to figure out, oh, I'm just trying to do some draft homework, learning more about these prospects as November 18th fast approaches. So I reached out to this particular agent. He represents a really good draft prospect. Now the Wolves have not interviewed his client at least so far. Now the Wolves will have an opportunity to interview as many guys as they want. That's the beauty of being in the position that they are with picks 1 and 17. You know, like, they want to interview Anthony Edwards. They haven't interviewed Anthony Edwards yet, but that will happen. Like, Anthony Edwards is willing to interview with the Wolves. There is appeal to going pick 1. So, anyway, unsolicited, this agent texted back. So, he told me, no, my, my client has, has not interviewed yet with the Wolves. He goes, how about this? He goes, so, I'm, I'm in Southern California the other day. I run into somebody that knows Carl Anthony Towns incredibly well. Let's just say a really good player that knows Cat really, really well. He goes, this player told me, this is a player I've known for a long time. This is the agent talking. The agent said, this player told him that Cat is as good as gone. Now, I bring that up not to suggest that that's happening anytime soon. The Wolves are not trading Carl Anthony Towns. Speculation. Yeah, I don't even know if it's that reckless, Phil. I mean, I, I really don't. Listen, I think we, if, we, if, we only have one version of the sound. I know, but I just think if 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 you reached Semi-reckless out to fifteen or twenty 
NBA front office executives, I think a lot of people would tell you that that this thing eventually will trend toward what took place with Anthony Davis in New Orleans, that they won't be able to figure it out here, especially everything going on in Cat's personal life. Maybe eventually he wants to he wants to just you know start clean somewhere else. Now the Wolves have have tried to do everything in their power to satisfy him, to empower him. They make the D'Angelo Russell trade, a trade for one of his best friends. You know, they've done other things behind the scenes to to lay out the red carpet for him. And it's not to that point. Like, let me make that very clear. Carl Anthony Towns is not demanding a trade anytime soon. I can just tell you, though, that that shattered. The reason I bring it up, because it's a talker. That's what we do here on, on the podcast, right? We bring up different talking points, stuff that we're hearing whether it happens or not, you know, to be determined, but but certainly the chatter is out there. So I'm bringing that to the listening audience, that that, that chatter still remains. I think it originated going back probably six, seven months. Like, I don't think this is the first time somebody has volunteered that it eventually gets to the point of, of Carl Anthony Towns looking to get traded. But I'm just telling you, that, that chatter is absolutely out there, including people very close mm. to Carl Anthony Towns. Okay. Put it this way, I just think, how about this? This draft... Is as big as, as a draft as as I can remember in Wolves history when talking about the 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 trajectory of, of the Wolves over the next few years. I just think this offseason, the draft, you know, potential trade targets, you know, they do have the mid level exception. Can they recruit a pretty good free agent for that? Can they turn the corner whenever next season starts, probably January or February? Like can they make a dent in the Western Conference next year? I just think if they don't, like this time next year. I think that's when the chatter would really pick up. Nothing is happening for the next year, but I just think if the Wolves go south next year after this really important off season, then I think the chatter gets louder. Dukes, do the do the Timberwolves view Carl Anthony Towns as the building block? They do. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they feel like with with him that that they can make a significant run. Now they realize, especially watching the playoffs unfold here, that you need really good guard play, right? Like. Denver is able to win with a big man, Jokic, as their best player. But Jamal Murray, before our eyes, is turning into a really good 1B, right? If if Jokic is 1A, Murray is turning into a cusp superstar before our eyes. So you need that really good guard. But yeah, they feel like with D'Angelo, you know, do you end up taking LaMelo Ball or Anthony Edwards? They have a chance to strike gold with that number one pick. Maybe eventually they use whoever they pick in a trade Somewhere down the line, maybe for a Bradley Beal or a Ben Simmons, but they can bring in another dynamic wing or guard. But they do feel like, especially looking at Denver, that you can win at a high level with a seven-footer as your best player. Dukes, a Big Ten football question, last one from me, and it's this. So we're going to start the season, and once we do, it's supposed to go nine games straight through. No bye weeks, no nothing. We've seen college football games now, and this is fine, but they're canceled on a regular basis because if a team has an outbreak of any sort, they're shut down, which is the smart move. Do you know, have you talked to any officials with the Gophers what the plan is here if we, I would say, inevitably get to a point where there are schools that can play seven games? Some play nine, some play eight, some play seven or six. Because I just don't see a way that we start in basically a nine-week period and just go straight through with everybody being healthy the entire time well to answer your question no i don't have the answer to that it's a great question but yeah if if wisconsin can only play yeah if wisconsin can only play six or seven games right but the gophers play their eight how do you determine 
the Big Ten West champion, and right? Who, who ends up playing yeah. in the Big Ten championship game, right? I, I don't have that answer. I can tell you, like, looking at the ACC, you know, they pushed everything back a week, right? The, the championship game was supposed to be on December 12th, but because Notre Dame and Wake Forest can't play this weekend, that game is now rescheduled for December 12th, and the ACC championship game will now be played on December 19th. So I think you build in some sort of buffer there at the end, even though you're right, Judd, they're playing consecutively through. I think they would make up a game somewhere on the back end. They would do everything in their power to ensure that that there's fairness in terms of the amount of games played. But yeah, I mean, it's an interesting dilemma. Like I think about the University of Houston. Have you seen what they've had to deal with the last four weeks? They've had four different games out of their control. You know, some of it's contract tracing, some of it, you know, an outbreak, but games against North Texas and Baylor and their Washington State game, you know, gets called because the Pac-12 calls off its fall season. Like, look at the University of Houston. For four weeks, they've been impacted by this. There's cancellations and postponements left and right. So you're right, Judd. Inevitably, something is going to happen. You know, don't forget, too, in the Big Ten, they've, they've declared that, that if a guy tests positive, he's out for 21 days. So what if he's okay after six or seven? What if he produces within seven to ten days multiple negative tests? It doesn't matter. He still has to sit out for 21 days. That's three games. You know, so you're right. I'm I'm fascinated to see how, how it plays out starting on October 24th. But to answer your question, I'm pretty sure they would just push things back. Unless it's, you know, massive postponements left and right, they would find a way to push things out a week or two. Doogie, if, if games are going to be played on December 19th, what happens to, like, the Tropical Smoothie Cafe Frisco <laughs> Bowl that was played on December 20th last year? The Makers Wanted Bahamas Bowl was played on the 20th I'm last year. I'm telling you, what one happens? of the best memories of my life was being in Fort Lauderdale for the MicronPC.com Bowl. <laughs> what like, year was it? Like 99 20, or like 2000. Yeah, Philip Rivers. <laughs> what does this say about Robinson. your life? Yeah, what, I was down what there. What does this say about Doogie's oh, life? But I had the best fake ID, A1A Beachfront <laughs> Avenue. I'll never forget this guy in front of us. He's just carrying on a casual conversation with my buddy Carter and I, John Carter, who you guys know works for the Red Sox. And all of a sudden, he just peed himself. <laughs> he just, he couldn't control his bladder. Right there in front of us. How old was he? He pissed himself. Fifty oh. years old at least. He was oh, an yeah. older oh, gentleman. Yeah. You know what? That can happen to me. No that can happen to me bladder. right now. That's Dukes. the first time he had seen the Gophers in a bowl game, basically <laughs> in his life. Though that could happen to hey, me. Dukes, we well, had, that like, was. I guess that was that was a setup for what we saw like a day later. When remember that game, the Gophers were up a ton of points. I mean, true. you know, I love Glenn Mason, right? But I mean, that's Glenn's Gophers legacy, right? Snatching oh, defeat oh. from the jaws oh. of victory. Yeah. That was one of many examples. They were up big. That's in that not game. even in the top five of great. No, examples. that's the unfortunate thing. But they were up three scores. Was it 24 nothing, 24-7? They were up big at the half and ended up losing. I mean, that was the game that turned Corin Robinson into a top 15 pick. Was he even top 10? Corin yeah. Robinson was, was a decent draft prospect. He then has that unbelievable micronpc.com bowl game. He was and a all burner. of a sudden, he was a legit you know, upper echelon, upper half of the first round pick. Yeah. Dukes, real quick here, 30, 60 seconds. Uh, give us give us anything else in your scoop bag here. Doesn't sound like Malik Beasley will do much, if anything, in terms of on the court. He's in the bubble. They're staying over at the Ivy Hotel. So they've got the bubble over at the Ivy Hotel. Then they go over to Mayo Clinic Square, this voluntary minicamp. But no surprise. I mean, he's a restricted free agent. Why would you put your body on the line the next couple weeks? I checked the Wolves' first scrimmage is Monday. So, like, I'm curious, are the Wolves going to find a way to bring that scrimmage 
to the fan base? What about streaming the scrimmage? As of yesterday, no plans in place to stream the scrimmage. I've been asked if the Vikings have any interest in free agent defensive tackle Damon Snacks Harrison. So far, maybe it'll change, but so far the answer is no. Right on. That's, That's Darren Doogie Wolfson. Inside information about our favorite local by One more, teams. by the way, Twins Instructionals pick up this weekend. So all the guys, you know, the, the Royce Lewises, the Aaron Sabatos, the, the Matt Walners, a lot of the top prospects that are not a part of, of the 40-man player pool like Alex Kirilov are now in Fort Myers for instructionals that, that will start going. Uh, they're going through COVID testing right now. If all goes well, the guys will be on the field starting this weekend. Awesome, man. All right, Doogie, take care. We will talk to you next week. Take it easy, right? boys. Darren Doogie Wolfson from 5 Eyewitness News and the Scoop Podcast, which you can find on Apple, Spotify, and scorenorth.com. Inside information about our favorite local sports teams. And Judd Zolgad, congratulations. You're on a, a four-question run. Yeah. Doogie gave you the good the good point or good question. Oh, and my good there. question. We're going to yeah. count it. So you and I are tied at 18. 18 good questions. I have really rallied of late. You're doing a good job. I have really rallied. You're doing a good job. I'm very Cousins-like. I, I've been chasing the question game. And nice. I'm doing a good job. Nice work. Putting in your practice time. Thank you very uh, much. All right, let's move right in here. Uh, Mike Diamond is the senior vice president and general manager of Fox Sports North here. And Score North, the Mackie and Judd show, along with Fox Sports North and, uh, and, and all or most of your favorite local sports teams, are involved in an initiative over the next week or so called Home Teams versus Hunger. And Mike, thanks for coming on the show. Please tell our audience all about home teams versus hunger and and the importance and impact. Well, thanks for having me on first and foremost, and I also want to thank you guys for partnering with us on this. It's been a it's been a um, sort of a labor of love across the sports community here of getting the, all the teams involved, all the, the the pro teams involved from the the Twins, Wolves, Lynx, Wild, Loons, um, um, Vikings, and uh, the University of the Gophers, and and then really engaging the entire sports community. We wanted the sports community to come together for this for this great cause, and we'll talk about that just just a second. But you know, radio stations across the state, um, Score North is a big partner of that Hubbard Radio across the state. Um, you know, all the television stations across the state, and, and a lot of the print and journalists have really stepped up to to participate in this and to promote it. And so, really, what it is. As you mentioned, home teams versus hunger. We're trying to do what we can to support those in need who who have food insecurity. So the the quick stat, guys, is that one in five children in the state and one in eight Minnesotans um, have food insecurity. So since the pandemic started and since the uh, social unrest has started, we've seen an increase of seventy five percent in in the in the food need in the state. And so we're yeah. trying to do what we can to, to rise to the occasion to answer this. And so and, and Michael go into more detail here, but uh but you can go to scorenorth.com and just enter in in the top right hand corner there keyword home teams and it'll take you uh, a link to items up for bid and it'll uh, it'll provide more information about uh, where and how your donations will be used. But you guys are also doing, it's a, it's a 30 minute home teams versus hunger uh, TV broadcast special. And that is tomorrow night, correct? On Fox sports North. That, that's correct. So it's being put together just the final wraps of it today. That it's been a late um, coming together because there've been so many moving pieces. So it, I, I compare it to hurting cats a little bit because <laughs> by the time you're trying to pull all these entities together between all the sports teams and the broadcasters and print and and all that together um it's been a 
it's been quite a daunting task to get that content. So, but uh, it's going to, like you say, it's going to debut Yeah, tomorrow night after the Twins. It's going to be a really special show to kind of try to help tell that story as well. Yep. And Mike, can you, uh, do you have any information about just some of the things that are up for bid? Uh, I, I, off the top of my head, there are a, a number. I just want to talk a little bit first as part of that is, you know, there are so many great things on there. So the teams came together and they got together to decide what can we do to, to make the most impact. So they got together and we had a, com- we had about um, eight different committees on this. And one of those committees was team contributions and they got together and decided what they were going to do to make a difference. And they, so they came up with some significant um, autographed and memorabilia packages from each of the teams. So there's an Adam Thielen autographed Jersey on there. There are, there are autographed, there, I think there's a, uh, so no, uh, I'm sorry, a um, Nelson Cruz autographed item on there, a, a number of things on their bats and jerseys, many things from Minnesota United, from the university, all those kind of things. So if you're a sports fan and you like memorabilia, there's that's a place to go where you can bid on those items. Um, and then also they came up with um, some significant team packages. So once fans are allowed back in the arenas and back in the stadiums, then you'd be able to go in there and bid on those items um, from a ticket and an experiential standpoint. There's some special things on there that you'd be able to do um, that are really going to make a difference and really going to feed a lot of people. Awesome. Uh, it's a great cause, and it's it's pretty rare when you get just all of the sports platforms and teams all together uh, for one initiative, and, um, and Fox Sports North has been helping to organize and drive this. You can go to scorenorth.com, S-K-O-R North, dot com keyword home teams and uh and it'll take you to uh to the bidding page and, and explain more information and also since we have you we have to throw a shout out here uh we love justin morno and feel like that was a, a a home run swing to bring him into these baseball broadcasts so um what what has gone into that for you i mean like bert's been around for 20 or 25 years and he's just been part of the fabric of this and uh, and that transition to, to to Justin Morneau and some of the other contributors, um, it seems it seems to be a great one for fans to be able to just go right into another Twins legend. But what's it been like for you guys here? You know, it's been a great transition. I, I can't say enough good things about Bert and what he's meant to the to Twins fans across Twins territory for 25 years. And the good part is he's not really going anywhere. He's he is going to be a, a special advisor to the team. He'll be around. People will still be able to connect with Bert, which is a great thing with his great personality. Um, Justin, you know, it, it, it seems to be the trend, right, you know, in the industry where you you, um, you have a bunch of different voices that give you different perspectives. So um, it, you'll see that across a number of teams. But I think the value in a lot of that is, you know, Justin, as a first baseman, you get that perspective voice. Molly is a a shortstop, you get that um, perspective, and then um, you, you have some of those other perspectives as well. You know, it gives you different angles on the game, and Justin has really, he is a student of the game. His um, his knowledge of the game and how he studies it and how he prepares is really exceptional. And hey Mike, how, how tough has this whole return to play been to just as far as, as um, Dick and Justin being in target field for – Road games, I I know that the wild playoff games were done at the X. How tough is, is just the transition in getting back in, into playing, which obviously is good for all of us, but just as far as the logistics go and putting on the show that the viewers are used to seeing with certainly uh, some differences? 
Yeah, you're right. I mean, there are a lot of differences, and hopefully, um, you know, our goal in all of it was that the viewer at home doesn't really notice anything different, and I think our crew has done an exceptional job of that. So from a production workflow standpoint, it's 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 quite a bit different. You know, it's not just Dick and Justin who are in the booth there, but our entire crew who's who's really producing those games is is located at Target Field, you know, working out of a truck out in the parking lot as well. So they've done an exceptional job, um, but it is different. You know, you know, one of the things I talked about, you know, Dick, who's, who does such a great job calling a baseball game, you know, there are those moments when Nelson Cruz hits a bomb, you know, out into the upper deck. And normally you would just lay out and let the crowd take the, <laughs> take the emotion of the game. So the same way that the players might be missing some of that emotion from fans, I think, you know, what you do as an announcer, you might miss some of that too, of, of being able to play off of the crowd. So there's an adjustment there too, but those guys have done a fabulous job, you know, and in, in addition to that is, you know, we safety is our paramount concern for everyone involved. So we've taken every precaution and put in the necessary protocols about, you know, face masks and hand washing and distancing and all those kind of things. Our environment from a production standpoint, as you guys are aware, being in a, a, um, a station is you can be in pretty close proximity uh, normally. And so you have to take precautions in that so that you, you are providing a safe environment and with, with distancing and, and things like that too. So not only is it a new workflow, um, strange, but it's also taking into consideration those safety precautions. Now, if the playoffs started today, the Twins would play the Astros at Target Field in a three-game series starting next Tuesday, and so far be it for me to give you production and TV advice, but I mean, if you could just mix a few trash can bangs into the uh, FSN broadcast just to troll the Astros, that would be great. It sounds like a sponsorship opportunity to me. Wow. Waste management. <laughs> Hard, hardware store. Yeah. Hardware store. Yep. How about that one? So uh, Mike Diamond, Senior Vice President, General Manager of Fox Sports North. And if you want to find out more about how you can help raise money for this Home Teams versus Hunger initiative, we encourage you to go to scorenorth.com, keyword home teams. And Mike, thanks for your time, man. Thank you. Thanks for being part of this and helping out. We really appreciate it. See you, Mike. Take care. Mike Diamond. uh, he's been uh, he's been sort of the you probably heard his name before if you're a Minnesota sports fan. I mean, he's essentially like the he runs Fox Sports North from mm-hmm. behind the scenes. You're not going to see him on TV very often. You're not you know Dick Bramer is certainly the face of Twins broadcasts and um, Jim Peterson and Dave Benz et cetera. But um, but he pulls the strings behind the scenes and he has helped with this initiative. So that's a very cool thing. Yep. Um, all right. Uh, usually we do it off the top of the show, but I think it's time for us to break a Twins baseball game down like it's football, gentlemen. Cave lifts it to left. Castro retreats. He's back at the wall, and that ball is gone. Cave goes to the opposite field. His second of the ball game, fourth of the year. Uh, the homers, though, were awesome to, to feel good out there and really connect on a couple pitches. Uh, there's been some pitches that I've missed as of lately, even though I felt pretty good. Uh, so to be able to connect, especially with Rosie on in that first one, uh, and it, that's, you know, and then the catch. Anytime I can help out the pitchers, they're super appreciative. And uh, I, I like doing that, and I feel good when I do that. Jake Cave donning the uh, the bomba robe twice last night with his round chippers. And we brought this up with Mike Diamond there earlier, but if the Twins, if the playoffs started today, and, and if you, in case you didn't notice, this is us breaking a baseball game down. Football. Like it's football. <laughs> um, 
the Twins would play the Astros in a three-game series right now. It's it, We haven't really talked at all about the Astros in any of these scenarios just because it hasn't been one yet, but because the Twins moved ahead of the White Sox by a half game yep. in the standings last night, and it'll it'll even up one way or the other. The White Sox play today. The Twins do not. And so the White Sox, if they win, will be tied with the Twins, but really a game up on the Twins because they hold the tiebreaker. Um. The Twins would play the Astros in a three-game series, and I think that is actually the dream scenario for the Twins because the Astros are not the same Astros we've seen the last five years. Let's go to Exhibit A, the guy who finished second in the MVP voting in the American League last year, Alex Bregman. You guys seen the drop-off in his statistics now that he doesn't know what pitches are coming? He's a clown, dude. Like, that guy's a total clown. Like The arrogance he showed in the middle of those World Series runs... Are you saying there's not much remorse from Alex Bregman? Weird. Last year, Alex Bregman not only led the league in walks, which is very interesting, because if you know a breaking ball is coming on a 3-2 count, it's going to break out of the zone. You don't swing at it, right? That's how you draw 119 walks. Sure. He has seen so far this year an 80-point dip in his on-base percentage, a 55-point dip in his batting average, and nearly a 200-point dip in his slugging percentage. He's just a guy. Now that he doesn't know what pitches are coming. It's even worse for Jose Altuve. Jose Altuve was perennially one of the best hitters. Like, we were talking about him as this all-time great, he's the new era hits king, right? He just 200 hits every single year. And last year, compared to this year, he has seen a 312-point drop in his OPS. That's not a coincidence. Yep. I'm sorry. And, wow. They, wow. and they've got Zach Greinke, and uh, after that, I don't think they scare you pitching-wise. They have one. So the, their best starting pitch, Zach Greinke is definitely like the most experienced and noteworthy starting pitcher. They also have a guy named Framber Valdez, who's in his mid-20s, and he's been their best starting pitcher this year, but he's never pitched on like a playoff stage before. Yep. So I think you would take the Twins' pitching depth and their lineup right now over the Astros. And I would welcome the Josh Donaldson and Sergio Romo chirping at that team as you sweep them out of the first round. Do you know what the best part, oh, yeah. too, about um, the coming days is? Is that never has baseball been more like football than it's going to be playoff-wise this weekend. Football. It's going to be outstanding. Okay, so so here's the best part. The Twins play the Reds, who are going for a wild-card spot on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. The Indians uh, wrap up a series in which they have walked off the White Sox the past two nights, I believe two nights ago in extras, and then Luplo, I believe, hit a home run in the bottom of the ninth last night. They end their series tonight. The White Sox then turn around and play a three-game series against the Cubs this weekend. And and so the White Sox go into tonight half a game behind the Twins, as you mentioned, Phil Mackey. Cleveland's two-and-a-half games back of first place, two games back of second place, and they've got the Pirates for three. So they, so so they, they might sweep. So they can't be discounted either. And so this is going to be, I think, absolutely, absolutely great fun. I can't wait. Um, and, yeah, you, you can't discount Cleveland. And the Twins do. So the Twins have the um, the Twins do not have the tiebreaker on the White Sox because I believe they tied their season series 5-5. to five. I believe that um, the next one is how you did in your AL Central games. Correct. And Cleveland, or I'm sorry, the White Sox cleaned up on the Royals and Tigers, so they're going to win that one. Now, the other interesting thing I believe I saw a couple days ago, though, is if we get a total three-way tie, 
I, if I'm not mistaken, the Twins will win out over the Indians and White Sox because it goes to the National Football League default thing, which is you can't go, you never go head to head to head. You then have to go to another tiebreaker, which the Vikings have experienced too. So it wouldn't be, well, the White Sox were better than the Twins, so how did the White Sox do against Cleveland? I think if they go into a three-way tie, you then go to another tiebreaker, which the Twins, I think, would win, and then the Twins would win the division based on that. There's also a chance of a four-way tie between the A's, the White Sox, the Twins, and the Yankees, in which case they would just take the toughest guy from each team and put him in an octagon. And whoever is standing at the end away. of the fight gets the top seed. Well, there is yes. no question yeah. who, I, who I got going in for the Twins. Josh? Oh, J.D. Oh, he's not. Are you sure he's he's the hobbled calf? Yeah, oh, he won't come out. Stop he, putting that guy in the ankle lock not, the moment I get it He's in. either coming out with a victory or he's not coming out. Are you sure? I feel like he's the guy that chirps a lot and might get punched in the mouth. I might go with Big Mike just to lean on somebody. Nah, Mike, Mike Pineda is probably too nice. my guy. Big Mike's too nice. Big Mike, and, think, he gets in Big a fight. Mike and Miguel are way too nice. No, no, no. I'm going JD because I know that if he does Actually, if he does not win, he will die. You know who might have the... The, the guy who probably looks the most like a mixed martial artist, because Jorge Alcala is like six foot five or something, right? I might go with Jorge Alcala just for the reach. I think you're. I think you're. No, I. I, oh, I he's listed at six three. He's like he's got to be taller than Donaldson's six, three. going in for me. Okay, All right. Donaldson's going in and he's taking a robe, Football. and he's coming out wearing the robe. You know, I, I brought that up last night. I was hanging out with someone and I brought up the robe conversation, <gasps> and they were anti robe too. What? They're anti-robe. Why? In fact, they didn't think. It, also, they didn't think it was that weird that I lounge in basically well, next to no clothes. Okay, let's go back to the robe. Why were they anti-robe? Like what? I don't. And why do you it? hang out with Patrick Gracie on Wednesday night and not call us? Yeah, my bad. Um, <laughs> I saw Pat at I, the game. It wasn't Pat. I think they're just anti-robe because it's like it's this like suffocating thing. Like it's this big, heavy, oh. suffocating. Wait, are you saying anti-robe like in life or with the twins? Anti-robe in life. Got oh, it. sorry. Okay, okay. that's now, fine. The, the twins is great. The oh, twins okay. Is great. Oh, okay. I thought you My were bad. saying that they didn't like the twins thing, which again I think is a sustainable act that I really do enjoy. Yeah, I'm, okay. I'm here for it, and it's funny because you can actually see these guys. Hopefully, it doesn't turn into just like everyone trying to hit a jack at all times. Sometimes you just want to make contact. But it like these guys are like legit giddy when they're rounding first base. Like, yeah, I get the robe now. <laughs> so it's a good team building thing. All right, things from the game or just from the Twins' current uh, circumstance going into the final weekend of the regular season still to you, Judd. Okay, my first one is this. I feel very comfortable and confident, um, especially since it's almost certain that the Twins are going to play either the Astros, Cleveland, or the Yankees at home, and and I would rank them in that way. I, I would take the Astros first. I think that's a great matchup. I would take Cleveland second. I would take the Yankees third. Uh, I am very comfortable, though, against any of these teams going with what the Twins are going to go starting pitching-wise, gentlemen. Maeda, Barrios, Pineda. And Maeda has, can we just talk about, in a town where I feel like we've always been where, and it's not us, where the executives have often been very concerned about, oh, man, bruised our collateral. I, I, I can't do, I'm just so sorry. Can we talk about, the Maeda trade. It's one of the best trades in Twins history. But I mean, I think we need to I think we need to hammer that home as far as look, you did it. And was there risk? I'm sure there is. But yes, exactly right. You think about if they Phil, think about if they don't make that that trade. And we can talk about the season being weird and blah blah blah. But just think about from the perspective of the 60 game regular season going into playoffs. If they don't pull the trigger on that trade and actively get, you know, 
very aggressive from the time that Boston dropped out on Gratterall, and then the Twins went back to the Dodgers with Bruzdar. If they don't make that trade now, like we're talking about, I still think we're definitely talking about playoff team and a nice team, but the difference that Kenta Maeda has made on a consistent basis and the sh- and how sharp he's been, yeah. I think we really should emphasize that this is why you make deals that you might be a little bit, I don't know, no, it's a great trade. Also, too, if if you think Bruce Dark Gratterall is a reliever long-term, you should never hesitate to trade relievers for other positions and established players. You can find relievers, and you can find guys who throw hard. Also worth noting, Bruce Dark Gratterall, has been a, he's been a good reliever for the Dodgers this year. He's only 21 or 22, so he's, he can still get better. He's been a good reliever. He's pitched 21 innings so far in a shortened season, but he's not really striking anybody out. He actually has one of the lowest strikeout rates, 5.1 strikeouts per nine of any reliever in baseball. So, yeah, he throws hard, but it hasn't translated to, to strikeouts. I do think he's going to wind up being a really good, maybe even lights-out reliever. But, like, that trade, you, in order to get anything that's going to help you win now, if you're in a win-now window like the Twins are, in order to get anything that's going to help you in a win-now window, you have to give up something of value t- to the future. Like, you don't – it's not like fantasy where you can just, like, call the idiot drunk owner in your league and just, like, fleece him or something. Like That's what you do. Trades always involve you giving up something of substance. And so if you can give up a future asset that is capped as a reliever for a win-now starting pitcher to plop into your World Series window, that's a brilliant trade. Like, regardless of whatever happens the rest of the way here, if Kenta Maeda gets shelled by the Yankees in the first game and the Twins get swept, it was still a really good trade. And they get Kenta Maeda for like three more years after this at $3.5 million per year. And he's been he your makes ace. $3 million. He's been absolutely Fire his agent. fantastic. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, and by the way, if Bruce Dar Gratterall blows up and becomes Josh Hader or something, I would still hold this opinion and say, like, just like Cubs fans would say, well, I see some of our stud minor leaguers that we traded four years ago, like, as, as some of the best players around for the Yankees and different teams. But you know what? It's it worth, worth it. it when you can win now. And, and, and it's not like they traded Royce Lewis to get Maeda, they traded a reliever. Right. It's, it was a great trade. Does Kenta Maeda finish in the top three for Cy Young voting this year? Let's just say Bieber wins it. I think Bieber's the, the unanimous favorite to win it. So right now, Kenta Maeda leads the league in whip, 0.75 whip, over 10.5 strikeouts per nine, 1.4 walks per nine, wow. ERA of 2.7. Just looking at ERA leaders in the AL, it goes Bieber, Keuchel, Lynn, Chris Bassett in Oakland, and then Maeda. I think the answer to your question is yes, I think he does. Wins above replacement is another measurement that some voters look at, and right now it's Shane Bieber one, Zach Grinke is two, even though his ERA is over four. I don't think he's going to get it, and Kenta Maeda is three in hmm. wins above replacement. He's ahead of Lucas Giolito. He's top three. I think it's Bieber. Bieber gets it almost yeah. certainly. Yeah, but yeah, I think he's I think he's top three. Lance Lynn is still having a great season too. Judd's guy. He's in the top seven. That's American a, I just, I'm so glad for Lance Lynn. I'm, I'm so glad when good things happen to quality people. But Imagine how much more, how much better you'd you feel know, about the Twins' chances if Lance Lynn was also in this rotation. You know what? I, I will take the subtraction of Lynn from the potential Twins' rotation because he can take along his good friend who's had a miserable year in Texas. What? Gibby with him. Would, would he would he be a fan of the robe? Like I could see them giving oh, him the Lance robe. Lance Lynn looks like a quintessential robe guy on the weekends. <laughs> but the problem is quintessential. But the robe problem guy. is he tried to wear it to the mound and yeah. pitch with it on. But but yeah, and, and he'd strike ten guys out with look, it. Yeah. Look look oh, your problem. Take is. the trade off. 
Gibson's gone too, thank God. And look at his year in oh, Texas. God. He has been miserable. I got one for you guys. Football. I can't read the full article because it's behind a paywall. I can only see the headline of this. <laughs> I love when people, yeah, I do the same and I'm not going to pay for this. Uh, an emailer sent us an article from Newsday, some columnist, and the headline is, New York sports could use a Twins-Yankees postseason series. Mm. And oh, it just, it just goes into how like sure. New York sports is reeling right now. The Giants and the Jets are bad, and the Mets, and it's just kind of a train wreck here. The Knicks are a disaster, and the Islanders just got bounced, right? Yep. Um, New York could really use the Twins as an elixir here to come in and just be the sacrificial lamb. How does that uh, make you guys feel? It is the easiest New York column probably in the world to write right now. It's probably the easiest. They've won 13 consecutive playoff games against the Twins. The Twins have lost 16 consecutive playoff games. It's the easiest. This guy woke up and he's like, I got nothing to write today. What can, Oh, I know what I can yeah. write. This is what I'm talking about. when, when I, I'm, I'm, I want to talk right now closed circuit to the Twins fans that fear the Yankees. Okay? Yes. Do it. How does this strike you when you see an article in Newsday, some columnist, the, the local Jim Suhan or Patrick Rice, whoever it is for Newsday, says, you know what? We're feeling kind of down on ourselves in New York here. We could really use, who's that lame team? The Twins, right? That's what they are. They are summoning the Twins, laughing at the Twins, making fun of the Twins, justifiably, mind you. But yeah. making they are making fun of your favorite baseball team saying, Automatic sweep, bring them on. Let's just let's just let's just get that series out of the way and feel good about ourselves. How can you read that and 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 and, and your emotions not be anything other than bring that team into Target Field or meet it in San Diego in the second round and finally put an end to this? Doesn't it fire you up a little bit as a yes. fan? Like, come on, how are you supposed to win a championship if you're like, I don't want to play that team. I'm scared to play yeah. that team. Agreed. How All the right. hell? How do you wake right, up I'm every day and guys. do that? I'm, I'm going to help you guys again, okay? I, I can't believe it. Sports Dad's here, okay? Much like Karate Kid, okay? This is all about Daniel's son. It's about the time to attack and the patience. This is why I don't want the Yankees with Cole, Tanaka, two games, oh my God, something went wrong. I want the two games to be as in a controlled environment with a controlled team as possible. I'm not saying I don't want the Bronx Bombers. I do. But as Phil last week said, and Phil, you were exactly right, the longer the series, I truly believe, the better the Twins' chance. So it's about timing. It's about timing. Don't be too impatient to get the Yankees. If you wait for the right time, and I do believe that you'll have to play them at some point if you get past the first round and perhaps the second round, the timing is the key here. Okay. The patience of the revenge will be sweeter. Actually, the best path right now would, if if it held right now, I'd have to see like what the. I'm assuming that the that the second round matchups it wouldn't be like high seed low seed. It would just be a bracket, right? So right now the Twins would play the Astros in that three six matchup, and then I would assume they would play the winner of the seven two matchup. So then they wouldn't they wouldn't face the Yankees if they face them until the American League Championship Series. Okay. Which would actually be an even bigger advantage for the Twins because those seven games would be played consecutively. Yes. And the Yankees have a terrible pitching rotation. Yes. And not in a Little League ballpark. That is correct. It'd be played in Byron Buxton Haven. (laughs) It'd be played in Petco. Which, by the way, is a real talking point. Another huge advantage for the Twins. Yes. So I'm with you on all this. 
You can put them off after the first round, but Patience. can you imagine if you had a tour through the American League that started with burying that cheating Astros team, having Sergio Romo crotch chopping off the mound and taunting those clowns, Love right? It. Love it. And then in the second round, you'd face either Cleveland or Oakland. It'd be kind of fun if Cleveland won that series and you could just uh, you know take it to your division opponent. And then the Yankees in the American League Championship Series running out of gas in that starting rotation after Garrett Cole is done with Game 1. That's the path. Right let me there. let me give you guys the potential Game 1 between the Twins and Indians in a playoff series, okay? Bieber, who clearly is great, is fun to watch. Maeda. Maeda this year, I, I looked this up last night, against Cleveland. Three starts, 3-0. and all, Four walks, 20 strikeouts, 0.50 ERA. That's not an assumed loss there. Anywhere, I don't think. It could be San Diego. could be here. But I'm I'm just saying Bieber Maeda could be a lot of fun. And again, Mm -hmm. it goes back to how good that trade was. Because if if we were, I'm sorry, but if we're saying Bieber Barrios, I'm like, yeah, I don't really like that one. That does not mean that Barrios can't win games. It does mean that I would have some trepidation about Bieber Barrios. Bieber Maeda is fun. Uh, Can I bring up a concern to you guys regarding classic Miguel Sano of late? (laughs) Just one? Well, well, but wait, wait. The lazy one is this. The Twins have played 19 games with Sano in the lineup in September. They are 14-5, and which is great. His average, 149, six home runs. 10 RBIs, 35 strikeouts, and two walks. But that's not what I want to talk about. Have you guys caught on to the fact, and and it happened again last night, and um, he damn near got his wrist snapped, and thankfully for his sake, he didn't on that bang-bang play on the throw from Maeda at first base. Have you guys picked up on the fact that, I will say this, Miguel Sano as first baseman is not outstanding. He's better than I thought. Um, I feel like he's getting a little bit lackadaisical, though, in his handling of the position of late. And he's had two errors in the past two nights. And I'm talking about, like, scooping the ball. So it's not it's not like things that he's it's just going to suddenly be bad at. It's an actual approach and, like, a comfort where he's too comfortable. Um, I would certainly hate to see an error like that or a miscue like that in a playoff game where I think it could bite you right in the ass. So the play last night, I, I actually think that falls more on Kent Maeda because his throw tailed up into the baseline. And so Sano really, like Sano is trying to calculate, right. the ball's tailing, the runner's coming, but two nights converging ago, at the same time. Two nights ago, he dropped that ball. And, I've, and I'm just talking about the overall approach to me of late for him at first base seems to be like the, I've got this figured out approach, which is a really bad approach to take. Yeah, I don't know. I just I, I, he's not like the most athletic guy. I mean, he's yeah. like 300 No, pounds, but I mean so. I but but he made plays earlier in the summer that I thought to myself, that's a pretty solid sound play. Yeah. I just don't Sano strikes me as the type of guy who when he starts to get comfortable in anything in life, it drops off. Well, his I would say his hitting is a reflection of that for sure. Right, I that, think that's him, though. It's like as soon as he hits a hot streak, oh, now I figured it out again. I'm feeling good, feeling myself. Now I can be more aggressive. I'm going to swing at everything, and then it goes back off the rails like it has. Right. And and if you look now, you know, all, all of the fanfare about him when he was hot for 10 days or whatever, like he had an extra base hit in nine consecutive games, or when he was, and he was amazing for like two weeks. Mm-hmm. And that's great. 
But dude, the season is not two weeks. So he's he is the most Jekyll and Hyde hitter I have ever seen. When he's when he's on, he's legitimately one of the best, most dangerous hitters in the league. But he's off for like weeks on end. But part of it, but part of that, I think, goes to his overall approach to life, which is engagement in life, engagement in activity, engagement in your plate appearances, in your fielding. He seems and, very aloof. Yeah. Yes, yeah, but I mean, I can't. Which which I don't like right now. But if you're gonna start playing the Yankees, for instance, or playoff series, that aloofness usually bites you. Listen, his role in the postseason is very, very simple. He's not one of your main key cogs. Like, if Nelson Cruz is in that lineup and Josh Donaldson and even Buxton at this point, like, you've got your guys that you're going to really lean on. Miguel Sano's role to me in the playoffs is once or twice per series, hit a big home run and don't screw it up at first base. Like, don't drop a pop-up. Just be where you're supposed to be at first base. You can strike out a 100 times. You hit a big home run in the first round, a big home run in the second round that like helps win you a game. Mm-hmm. That's all he's here for. That's all my expectations are for him. And and I'm not I'm not going to get too worked up. Like well, actually, I will. I probably will. will get worked up. But yeah. like, well, you fine. can't have it. But but eliminate the mistakes. Don't make mistakes. Like there's going to be physical errors made by people, and I get that. But don't introduce them through your approach. Yeah, the, I would say though, the one last night I will defend him on. That was just that was just a tailing. The one throw. two nights ago though was oh, bad, that. and I'm telling yeah. you, I'm telling you that I've seen a lax approach at first base more and more. That concerns me. So let's That's say it. it's like seven to two in the eighth inning. The Twins are up. It's a playoff game. Do you consider removing him from the game as a defensive replacement if you're if you're that concerned with his fielding? I'm not as concerned with his fielding as Judd is. Who comes in and replaces him? Well, that's, I, I, that's that's a good question. Like you don't have I mean, if, like if you had Marlin? if you yeah. if you had a uh, Gold Glove first baseman who couldn't hit, and you're up by five. Yeah, like J T. Snow was on your bench. Then or yeah, I, prob- or I, I probably would. In this case, I don't think that they have the requisite replacement that would be such an upgrade that it would be a slam dunk yeah. move. I, I hear what you're saying. I'm just saying. I, I'm I see some of the same behavioral patterns. The Mackey and Judge show likes to be ahead of the curve. Yeah. I'm oh, telling football. you, I've just been, I've seen an approach. Look, I'm giving you something from like a scout's view. I'm give, I'm giving you, I'm going above and beyond the duties of this show to warn you. I am the town crier. Well, speaking of looking ahead and being ahead of the curve here, I did float this last week to you guys, and uh, I'll float it again here. He got out of trouble. It was a little bit rocky last night for him, but. Right now, if you ask me, hey, it's game one, mm-hmm. and the Twins are up by two runs late in the game, and you can either turn to Taylor Rogers or you can turn to Jorge Alcala. Mm-hmm. I trust Jorge Alcala right now more than I trust Taylor Rogers. Fight me. I I don't. I'll, I'll fight with you because I think it's I think it's probably the right take. I mean, he even though he grouped one yesterday to Miguel Cabrera, who still has some little bit gas left in the tank. He's not the Dude, same Miguel he, Cabrera he, he was. Of bombs last. Yeah, night. I mean, he's a he is a first ballot Hall of Famer. <laughs> that cookie he got for the second home run. Ooh. Yeah, but he throws gas. He throws hard, and right now I I just I don't know what the hell happened to Taylor Rogers. He's he's become very hittable, and uh, it's not just bad luck. I know there's a lot of things that say it's just been really bad luck with him. Like it's not bad luck if it's consistent like that. I'm sorry, I don't you know I don't what? think it's just bad luck. No, yep. no, no. He is, um, I, I think it's two things. His confidence is way down, and I think the league went to school on him, mm-hmm. and he needs to go back to school on the league. And I think until, but but I don't think this is, here's the problem. In my opinion, this is not correctable now in 2020. This is probably a wintertime project for him, and now we're going to have to find, see if he can come back and adjust. 
So uh, Fangraphs.com, in terms of like luck or not, Fangraphs.com has a bunch of different classifications of batted balls. So you can see, because like, what people are going to say is, well, his, his batting average on balls in play is 411 against this season, which league average is like 310 or something. Okay. So that hitters, when they put a ball in play, hitters, and that doesn't count home runs. It's just anything right. that would be within the field of play, not counting home runs. Mm-hmm. That like if you're up over 400, there's some bloops falling in there, and over the course of a full season, that would adjust itself. Now, like if if you gave me a baseball and said, "All right, go pitch to major leaguers," like they would hit the crap out of it, and thus that batting average on balls in play would be higher. So some of it is like you can just look at that and say that's a little bit unlucky. That'll probably adjust itself at some point. But they dig deeper on Fangraphs.com, and they have line drive percentage, and they have pull percentage. So a couple things of note for Taylor Rogers in terms of how hittable he has been. He is allowing the highest percentage of pulled batted balls in his career to this point. And he is allowing by far the highest percentage of classified line drives at any point in his career. He's getting way fewer ground balls. Ground balls are being replaced with line drives. Yeah, That's the story with Taylor Rogers this year. Absolutely. There might be a little bit of bad luck, but he's also just getting hit harder than he normally would be in 2020. That's the stat nerd angle. And, for and I feel like, too, and we've expressed it before, and we're a pretty analytic, pro-friendly show, but if you can blend analytics with the eye test, that's when the analytic really, really shines. And you can see with your eye test that there is something not right mm-hmm. with Taylor Rogers. Yep, but he's not, like, terrible enough to just not pitch him. No. So that's the hard part. I, I just think you have to go in with an open mind. And a couple things to note, too. In general, if I had to choose between a right-handed closer or a left-handed closer— I would choose a right-handed closer because you're going to face mostly right-handed batters. Now, teams can stack up and pinch it and stuff, but like more often than not, you're going to face right-handed batters like 60 or 70% of the time in baseball. So like, I would rather have a right-handed closer because you get the platoon advantage. Um, and, and I think if you could then leverage a less-than-peak Taylor Rodgers in like the 6th, 7th, 8th innings, which is what he, the role he played like three years ago, and maybe maybe there's you know a spot in the lineup where there's two lefties and there's a righty between them, and so you can go face three batters and two of them are lefties. Go get it! Like now you got the platoon advantage. So I, I don't know. Like it felt a little bit last night like the Twins were maybe throwing Alcala in there. It's a it's a four run game. We're gonna see uh we're gonna see how you fare here. And that's the Tigers. It's not you know it's not exactly the most powerful lineup, but it kind of felt like a little bit of an audition for the playoffs last night. And he was shaky. But he got out of it. He can miss some bats, and he's been far, far tougher to hit than Taylor Rogers. So give me some Alcala. So the the challenge for Rocco and the bullpen starting next Tuesday is going to be this too, and this is going to be across the board for all teams that make the playoffs. You must face three hitters, depending on when the guy c- comes in. So if Rogers comes in lefty, lefty to end the eighth, he doesn't have to come out out for the ninth, but if he comes in in the middle of the eighth, he's got to go through three guys. The the construction of the Twins' bullpen, to me, how guys are going to be used, and the overall construction of the pitching staff for this first round is going to be so intriguing to see. Because, for instance, Rich Hill's not going to start a first-round game. I don't know that he's on your playoff roster for that first round. Yeah, probably not. Because you're not going to take guys out of the bullpen. Well, but, but... Keep in mind, if a game goes to extra innings, this yep. is another huge factor. This is great. I love this. If a game, wow, this is a deep dive. No, here. but it's really, it, it's gonna, it's gonna happen. 
if a game goes to extra innings, we are no longer in the playoffs putting a runner on second base. You're Correct. just playing extra innings. Correct. And without the luxury of travel days and off days, let's say you have like a 17-inning game at some point, and it's unlikely, but you do have to plan for this. If you have a 17-inning game at one point, you don't then get like a day off to rest all the relievers. They all have to come back the next day, and then maybe the next day, depending on like when that game happens in a series. Sure. So with the lack of off days and the potential of extra inning marathons, you probably do want additional long starters or long relievers in your bullpen just in case. It's a, it's an interesting. So is chess Hill match. the guy? It does Odo come back from the blister in time that you could stick him in the bullpen in case? Like, like the the one thing that, that I think you brought up. About, yes, and the one thing that you brought up about Hill that I think is a valid point is if he doesn't start. How much can you use him? Can you get him loose in time? Like he would be the last guy probably at 40 and and with the, um, how can I put this in the most complimentary way possible, the gentle nature of his arm. Uh, He would be the last guy that you would probably just be like rubber arm, throw him out there. So, yeah, to your point, is it Odorizzi, Bailey, for the type of game that you're talking about, and, and then what's the overall construction Bullpen-wise, because they've got right now, okay, Alcala, Clippard, Duffy, <laughs> May, Rogers, Romo, Stasek, Theobar, Whistler. You know? Yeah, I was just going to go to Coyle. But, I mean, those are nine guys. Nine guys right there, and a lot of them are key guys, valuable guys. Hmm. And could Whistler throw if you had to? get through could he throw three i think in the three game series because your rosters are 20 are they 26 28 i think it stays oh, at 28. 20, oh, 20, oh, 20 okay yep. i would, was going it was going to go down to 26 and i think they just decided to keep it at 20 i would load up for sure on sprint relievers to be able to get key outs like in three three guy chunks sure i would i would have my three starting pitchers and then i would have probably for the three game series one additional starter so I would, if it's Odo, I think I would say Odo, and then I would I would have Dobnak, Homer Bailey, and Rich Hill off my roster for the first round. Dobnak, Homer, okay, all right, yep, something like that. Yep, we can do this officially and maybe sta- on Monday's show. So so when Bailey started two nights ago, Stasek came in and relieved him and threw two. So I'm just curious, like I think that they would probably count on if they did have a game where they had to go into the bullpen and it went extras. I think it's a slam dunk that Stasek and Whistler and Theobar probably might be counted on to throw not a ton, but multiple innings. Yeah. Well, this is fun. This is. I mean, but they're going to have to think about this. That's absolutely true. It's a great football. And Rich Hill. Yeah, that the Rich Hill one, because if they get to the ALDS, Rich Hill, I think for sure, without a question, makes a start, I think. But as far as the bullpen work goes... It's a, yeah, I don't know. Bring on the Astros. Bring on the Yankees. Just go bring through it. all of them. I don't care. Bring it. Go through all just of them. Just stay alive. If I was, I, I said on a couple Celtics, if I was a couple Celtics in last night previewing the opponent, imagine what's going to happen during the baseball game. I mean, it's a couple it's cases be of Corona hard cases. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so I mean, were, were you calling for the Yankees last night? I'm calling for anyone. Yeah. I'm calling for anyone. Oh, I, I thought that you put out a specific I, I was, team. I was saying that, well, I teased it. Thank you for clicking and watching. Yeah, that, I was um, at the game. I was very busy. <laughs> that I, I'm ready for anyone. So that I, I don't care who it is. 
So if it's the Indians, if it's the Yankees, okay. if it's the Astros, if it's the White Sox, you know, and well, the yeah, possible series be. down I mean, the road, yeah, that's true. I'm ready for anyone. Bring on the weirdness. <laughs> oh, it's going to be it's going to be fun. It's going to be amazing. Absolutely fun. So, uh, all right. So we are here to break down Twins games like they are football games. However long they want to play, we will be doing this, and we'll do it every day on the Mackie and Judd Show. Couple things for you to uh, subscribe to two YouTube channels. We've got two of them. One that is Viking centric every day, seven days a week. Vikings conversations. It's YouTube.com slash Purple Daily Podcast, and then also YouTube.com slash ScoreNorthMN, where you can find all kinds of other discussions and some Viking stuff. But write that down is on there from yesterday, et cetera. So that's a wrap on today's episode of Mackie and Judd. And what day is tomorrow? Friday. A little action movie rewind tomorrow. Uh, Top Gun. I'm halfway through. I have to watch the second half tonight, and I'm, I'm jacked. I'm very, very excited. Enjoying I've, it so I've far? Lo- I've loved what I've seen so far. I really have. It is a Declan it, film. It, it's, a, it's very, very good. It's so very we'll, good. We'll do that tomorrow. Uh, Mackie and Judd and Judd's five or four or three. I don't know how many keys, but Judd's keys to a Viking win. i got to find keys, dude. I'm, oh, I, God, he's, he's down in the dauber. Him and Stella got to stop hanging out. Sad. All right, see you guys.